Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to read 11 through 15. Second Chronicles 7, 1 through 3 says, Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves down with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Then verse 11 through verse 15 says, Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house he prosperously effected. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people... If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now mine eye shall be open and mine ear attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. And today I'm going to title this message, The Recipe for revival, the recipe for revival. If we would, let's pray one more time. Lord God, today we ask you, God, to touch us, Lord, not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers also. Lord, let us gain wisdom and understanding and knowledge today, God. I pray you'd lead us in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So today, the recipe for revival, talking about Solomon's temple. When we read 2 Chronicles chapter 6, 7, 8, around there, it's about Solomon finally building the temple. The temple that David wanted to build has finally been built by his son. And as I began to study this temple, Solomon's temple was a magnificent structure built as a dwelling place for God among the people. The temple's completion was seven years in the making, employed a workforce of 30,000 men, there in Jerusalem, additionally, 10,000 others were sent on a 124-mile journey to Lebanon to gather cedar wood, which was transported back to Jerusalem. These men, I read, would take one month of work, and then they'd take two months off, and then one month of work, and they would travel to gather this cedar wood and bring it back to Jerusalem. The foundation of the temple was laid with huge limestones and marbles, which archaeologists believe weighed several thousand pounds each. These stones would be cut and shaped off-site, and then they'd be carried back into the city, and they'd be placed on the floor of the temple. The temple's walls were built using cedar wood from the forest of Lebanon, those forests that were 124 miles away that those men went to gather the wood. Those wood that wood was used for the walls. And then those walls would be overlaid with gold. And bronze was used to build the temple's pillars. And silver was used as an overlay for the altar of incense and the table of showbread. The interior and the exterior of the doors, as well as the furniture, were all covered 
with gold. It's a huge undertaking, a lot of money spent. Scholars today estimate that the temple's cost could range anywhere from $500 million in today's currency to several billion dollars, just depending on the cost of materials and labor. It was a big project. They basically were building their church. They were building their house where they wanted God to come and visit them. They were building a place where God would come and speak to them. God would hear their prayers. God would hear their petitions. They would be an atonement for their sins at the house of the Lord. They came to that place in connection to God. And after this seven-year project was over, we read when the temple was completed, it said that the glory of the Lord filled the house. Fire fell from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and sacrifices, and the glory filled the house. The priest couldn't even enter into the house of the Lord because the glory had filled the Lord's house. God showed up when they offered that offering. And then after this, we find in our next reading of 2 Chronicles 7, 11 through 15, that Solomon is having a conversation with the Lord. The Lord shows up and he tells him, I have heard your prayers. I have chosen this place for myself for an house of sacrifice. And then verse 14, he tells them this. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I don't know about you, but I want the Lord to heal my land. I want the Lord to hear from heaven. I want the Lord to forgive my sins. I want the Lord to be in my life. This what this today really talking about revival. I don't just think of revival as well. The church is going to grow. I've seen churches that grow, but I don't know if it was revival or not because of the people and the way they were living. And, you know, there's mega churches that have the craziest things we hear about in the news. I heard of one mega church where they went to the bathroom and opened up the wall. There was like forty thousand dollars cash in the bathroom wall. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself. What's going on? You know, on the outside, oh, they've got 10,000 people on this and 20,000 people on this. And you would think that that would be revival. But what I'm realizing is revival is when I draw a circle around myself and I say, God, let there be change right here in this circle. God, let me draw a circle around myself and say, God, let there be a, a new heart in this body. Let there be a new mind. Let there be a new beginning in me. Revival is more than just what happens at the church or how many people show up or don't show up. But revival is what What's going on within my own life? What's going in to my heart? What's going into my mind? What am I doing with my time on earth? That is revival. Revival is personal today. Yes. I don't want to say, well, revival is when, when this person gets right with God. Or revival is when that person gets right with God. God, let it start with me. Because yes. if not, I'll come to church and I'll say, oh, that's good for them. Oh, that's good for them. Oh, yeah. That's, hey, you know, you ever seen somebody tap somebody on the shoulder? Hey, hey, you heard that? You heard that? Lean over and elbow somebody. Hey, that was for you. No, God, let me come to the house of God with a mirror looking at myself and say, God, if there's anything in me that's not of you, God, if there's anything in me that needs molding, if there's anything in me that needs shaping, let it start in me. Before I look at everybody else, God, let it start in me. And God, as he looks at them, he says, everything you've done is great. You've built the house as it needed to be built. You've done everything. You've spent all this money. You've employed all these men. There's so much that has gone into this. You've built the physical structure. But now let me tell you about the spiritual aspect of this. He said that if they wanted him to hear from heaven, if they wanted them to forgive their sins, if they wanted him to heal their lands, there were some things that they needed to do as well. 
God is a God of relationship. God is not just a God that just serves us and takes care of us and waits on our every whim and desire, but he's a God that wants us also to give back to him. He's a God that wants us to live for him, not just saying, God, give me this, and God, give me that, and God, I deserve this, and God, I deserve that, but God, let me give to you, and God, let me serve you, and God, let me do what I can for you. So we're going to go through that a little bit today, and it won't be very long, very simple. The first thing he told them they needed to do was they needed to humble themselves. Amen. In today's world, we could use humility. When Christian Herter was governor of Massachusetts, he was running for a second term in office. And one day after a busy morning of work, he went to a church barbecue, governor of Massachusetts, He was very hungry, and as he went down the serving line, he held out his plate to the woman at the church who was serving the chicken. She put a piece of chicken on his plate and turned to the next person in line. The governor said, excuse me, but do you mind if I could have another piece of chicken? I'm pretty hungry, and I'm tired. Can I have another piece of chicken, ma'am? Sorry, the woman told him. I'm only supposed to give one piece of chicken to each person. But I'm starving, the governor said. Sorry, the woman at the church said again, everyone only gets one piece. That's just how it is today. The governor was normally a pretty easygoing person, but this time he decided he would throw his weight around a little bit to get his way. He said, do you know who I am? I'm the governor of Massachusetts. Do you know who I am? The woman said, I'm the lady who's in charge of serving the chicken. Now move along. (laughs) Well, what did he do? He came in with pride. He came in thinking he'll push his weight around. And today in our life, if we're not careful, we could be that kind of person, the person that's not patient, the person that's not understanding, the person that wants everything to go our way, not being considerate of others. Amen. What the world could use today is being considerate of others. Luke chapter 18, verses 10 through 14, Jesus said this. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other was a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed and said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing afar off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, and the one who humbles himself shall be exalted. This parable is known as the parable of the publican and the tax collector. And this man who was a tax collector, they were hated. Okay, Tax collectors were very, very hated because they were working against their own people. So the Roman government would set up their provinces, and then they would need to collect money from everybody. So what they would do is they would hire local people. So you can imagine it would be like if Bakersfield got taken over by, let's say, Japan. And Japan came over and took over Bakersfield and said, we're going to tax you guys. And then people from Bakersfield sign up to collect all the taxes from everybody. And now we're dealing with our own brother who's taking our taxes and giving them to Japan. Basically, that's what's happening here is that these Jews have signed up to be tax collectors and take money from the other Jews to give to Rome. So they consider them a thief. They consider them a traitor. As you do research, they said there was a lot of crookedness and a lot of lying. And some of them would take so much money for themselves and then give so much. It was just a bad deal. And they were hated. They were hated by others. And Jesus tells the story that as two men went to the temple, one was a Pharisee who was a priest, who was a religious man, and the other was one of these hated tax collectors. And this religious man said, I'm fasting 
twice a week. I'm giving tithes of all that I have. He's trying to come before God, and in his prayer, he's trying to let God know how good he is. Let God know how he's better than everybody else. He says, I am not like other men, just like this tax collector. In his prayer, instead of looking within himself of how he can be better and praying on, on how he can change, he's looking at others and saying, I'm better than him, I'm better than him, and I'm better than them. And instead of looking at himself, he's looking at others. But now the tax collector would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He didn't look at anybody else, but he looked within himself and said, God, be merciful. And then Jesus said that this man went to his house justified rather than the other. God, don't let me have pride today. When I come into this house, let me come with humility, God, to worship you and to serve you, God, to live you up God to get my focus off of myself Benjamin Franklin once said that somebody wrapped up in themselves is the smallest gift on earth today I don't want to be wrapped up in myself my problems my situations and you know I know we all go through things and it is bad sometimes but God don't let me get so focused on myself that's one thing about complaining and I, I thought of this last year it came to me uh, in a message was that complaining really is pride. And let me tell you why. Because really today, I don't deserve anything from God. I don't deserve any blessings. I don't deserve any good things. I'm, I'm nobody. I'm, I'm a sinner. I've failed God so many times. I've messed up so many times. When I start to complain, I'm basically saying, God, I deserve better than this. God, when I start getting jealous, we start getting jealous of other people. God, you should have given me that, and you should have given me that. And why are they doing better than me? And why are they having opportunities that I wish I had? And why do they have this? And why do they have that? And I start complaining. I start saying that God hasn't given me everything that I need, and I have pride thinking that I deserve more than what God is giving me right now. We need humility. He told them the first thing was that they needed to humble themselves. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 6, it says, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Proverbs 29 and 23 says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Proverbs 16, 18 through 19, maybe the most popular Bible verse about pride, says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It's better to be of lowly spirit with the poor than divide the spoil with the proud. Pride today. Pride will lead people to do crazy. Pride will make you think you're smarter. Pride will make you think you're better. And what you'll end up doing is setting yourself up for failure because you're not considering things because you think, I know better. I'm better. Today, we need to humble ourselves before the Lord. The next thing he told them they needed to do was they needed to pray and they needed to seek his face. Luke 18, 1 through 8, he told them a parable that they ought always to pray and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. 
And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is a, par uh, a, a parable of the persistent woman, this widow, widow that had lost everything, and she's going to the judge asking him to give her justice according to her adversary. She's got a case. She's trying to plead with the judge, and he says that she just keeps coming back to him again and again and again. She won't leave him alone. She won't let it go. She won't drop it. She won't take a few weeks off. She just keeps coming back to him day after day after day. My job, I could show you my phone. My job is the sales manager at my company. And there's some people we want to do business with. And they're ignoring me. And I will just keep sending them emails. And next Friday, I already know I'm going to send them another email. And sometimes when they ignore me, that, that gives me more motivated to send them another email. Because I'm saying, well, if they're not responding, I really don't have anything to lose. I'll just keep following up with them, following up with them, following up with them. And I've seen a few times where I followed up with somebody for eight or nine weeks in a row. And then finally I get a response. Okay, let's meet. Okay. Because, and then when I meet them, they say, well, you just kept messaging me. You just kept bothering me. You wouldn't leave me alone about it. So I thought, you know, he must have something that he really wants to tell me. He must have something really important if he just keeps persisting this way. And in this story, Jesus tells the story of a woman who kept persisting that way with a judge because she needed justice. She needed something from the judge. And he tells them this. He says, if this unrighteous judge is willing to answer this woman because of her persistence, Basically, how much more do you think that God with his own children are going to answer the prayers of those that keep coming back to him? This week, I may say, God, I really need you to open this door. And next week, I don't see it happen. I come back to God again. God, I really need you to open this door. And God, I really need you to open this door in my life. God, I really need you to change this. I really need this to work out. God, I really need a healing in my body. I really need a healing in my mind. I really need you to work in, in my family. I really need you to work on my behalf. And you don't think that God as our father who loves us is going to answer our prayers he's going to make a way for us where there seems to be no way if an unrighteous judge says this woman has gotten on my last nerve I'm about to block her and then she gets another number and calls me from another number and then I, I lock the front door and she comes around the back and I tell her I'm not here and then she finds out that I am and she's peeking through windows she won't leave me alone she's stalking me for an answer if that unrighteous judge says you know what because of her persistence I'm going to answer her request how much more will our righteous God who loves us, he calls us by name, he's going to answer our prayers. Matthew 7 and 7, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives and the one that seeks finds and the ones that knocks it shall be opened. Today, if I ask today and I seek today and I knock today and it doesn't happen, I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask again. I'm going to seek again. I'm going to knock again because I have some things in my life that I want God to do. I'm not going to give up because I know God's timing and I know God's purpose is greater. I'm just going to keep coming back and say, God, if it's in your will, if it's in your timing, I'm just going to keep coming back to the Lord with my prayers because he knows what we have need of. Amen. Let's come before him with boldness today. Talking about sickness today. I didn't have this in mind because of everybody being sick today, but it fits. James 5, 14 through 15 says, is there any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they shall be 
forgiven him. Today I believe in healing. I believe that God can step into a sick body and turn it around. I believe that God can rebuke uh, pain in our back and nerve damage. I believe that God can reverse the effects of diabetes. I believe that God can reverse the effects of drug addiction and people that feel burnout on drugs. God can heal and God can save. God can deliver. But we've got to pray. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. He said, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face today I want to just for a few moments if we can begin to just lift up uh, the name of Jesus and call upon him for those that are sick for those that need a touch of God in their life uh, for our families for our friends for ourselves from our circumstance uh, today there's power in our prayers we're not just praying to a God that's disconnected but we're praying to a God that walks beside us all the time he'll never leave us he'll never forsake us uh, the prayer of faith uh, shall save the sick. God, I'm not just praying, but I'm praying in faith. I'm not just praying like nothing's going to happen, but I'm praying expecting something to happen because you are greater than my circumstance. You have all power in heaven and earth. And those who ask will receive and those who seek will find and those that knock, it will be open. Today, God, I come before you believing in faith. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. This is the recipe for revival when we begin to pray, not just praying for needs, but praying to have a relationship with God, not just praying. It's kind of like your kids. They come to you. Dad, can I get this? Dad, can I get that? And if that's the only time they talk to me, I'm going to say, you know, I test my kids sometimes. I've done this a few times. They don't know, but I'll say, hey, I'm going to the store. Do you want to go? And I don't tell them what I might get them. I don't tell them where I'm going. Just, hey, I'm going to go for a drive and go to the store. Would you want to go? And Bristol, she's seven, and I said, Bristol, do you want to go to the store with me? And she said, no, and then Braley just starts freaking out. She's four. She just starts freaking out, just saying, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. And she goes with me, and I say, Bristol, let me tell you something. I said, just so you know, I said, I'm going to get her a toy at the store. And she said, you didn't tell me there was a toy. And she started crying. You should have told me there was a toy. I would have went. I said, well, that's the point. Do you want to just go with me just to go with me? Or it's just because you want to get something from me? I said, there you can learn. I said, because I just want to spend time with you and go maybe go through a drive-thru, get you an ice cream cone, and just have that time with my kids. But she didn't understand that because she didn't think there was anything to gain. And then after the fact, she said, oh, I wish I would have known. And I, I lay that out today because in our own lives, I don't want to just come to God because, oh, God's going to get me this and God's going to get me that. And if I'm faithful to God, my life will get better. God, let me just serve you for who you are and spend time with you for who you are and read your word just for who you are. Read your word just because I want to understand you better. Pray just because I want to know you better. Try to serve you just so I can be closer to you. Not saying, God, well, I'll try it, you know, for 90 days. And if I don't do it, I'll get my money back. If I don't get a blessing or, you know, I'm trying God out like a trial. And if, you know, if it doesn't work out, I'll cancel my subscription because I need to receive something if I'm going to serve God. But God, even if I don't receive anything, I still want to live for you. I want to serve you because living for God is better than living any other life. And being his son and being his daughter is all that matters to me because I know on the flip side of that, when I do serve him, and when I do worship him, there are going to be blessings in my life. And the goodness of God is going to be upon my life. And I'm not going to struggle. And I'm not going to go through the valley of the shadow of death by myself. But he's going to be with me. And his rod and his staff, they're going to comfort me. I might go through some battles and I might go through some storms. But I'll never go through them alone because I'm walking with God. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And then lastly... And turn from their wicked ways. 
Second Kings chapter 20 verses 1 through 6 is the story of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a wicked king. Verses 1 through 6, it says, In those days Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said, Thus saith the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and you shall not recover. This was the curse and the judgment of God. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed, saying, Now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you, and on the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Hezekiah was a wicked king. Hezekiah didn't think about the Lord. He wasn't worried about God. But then when he got sick... When he got to the point of death, the prophet came and told him, you are going to die, set your house in order, get your inheritance figured out, get your will figured out, because you will not recover. And he knew it was the end of the road, and instead of just giving up, he says he turned towards the wall, and he began to pray, and he began to weep bitterly. Just like in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, he turned from his wicked ways, and he repented before the Lord. And after the Lord had spoken to the prophet and said, go tell that man that he's going to die and he's not going to recover. After that, when he begins to pray and repent and weep before the Lord, God speaks to Isaiah a second time and says, turn back and tell Hezekiah, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. I will heal you and I will add 15 years to your life. When we begin to turn back to the ways of God, God will turn the situation around. God will set things in a new order. God will give us a new beginning. He's faithful and he's merciful. His mercy endures to all generations. Today, he's a God of second chances. He's a God that if you fail, you can get back up and try again. He's a God that if you don't get it right, He'll help you the next time. Uh, Brother Terry. Terry was the founding pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Bakersfield in 1943. He came from West Texas and started the church. It was just a little farm town community, a bunch of ranchers from the Midwest. And when he came, he had a dream one night. And he had a dream uh, about heaven. And he said he got to heaven and heaven was empty. Nobody was in heaven at all. And he looked around and he seen the streets of gold. He saw the mansions. He saw the walls of Jasper. He saw all the pearly gates. He saw it all. And heaven was empty. And he asked an angel. He said, why is heaven empty? And the angel told him, this is what heaven would look like if it wasn't for second chances. Amen. Today, I'm thankful for second chances. And I'm thankful for third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. Heaven's not going to be an empty place, but heaven's going to be full of the redeemed of the Lord that fell, but they got right back up. Uh, that maybe didn't get it all right the first time, but they kept walking with the Lord and doing their best. And God led them and God was their guide and God helped them. Just like Hezekiah, it was the end of 
the road and he was set to die. But he said, I've heard your prayers and I've seen your tears. I'm going to heal you and I'm going to add 15 years to your life. Today I want you to know if you turn from your wicked ways, God will add years to your life. God will restore the years that the locust has eaten. You can get your life back. You can get your family back. You can get your peace back. You can get your hope back. You can get joy. He will restore. He said he'll give you beauty for ashes. He'll give you the oil of joy for mourning. He'll give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You may be going through a time right now and you feel like you can't get back on your feet and you can never live for God. But he says if you'll pray, if you'll turn from your wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Then will I forgive your sins. Then will I heal your land. I'm talking about the recipe for revival in our life. If I want God to revive me, what does it mean to be revived? It means when that line in the hospital goes to flat nothing and they begin to rub those little defibrillators together and try to shock you back to life and they do it a few times and then finally they see a, a bump in the line and another bump in the line and you've been revived. I want to tell you today, you may be dead in your spirit. You may not have a prayer life. You may not have a walk with God. You may be flatlined spiritually, but God will begin to rub those little spiritual defibrillators on you and begin to revive you back to life. If you'll begin to humble yourself if you'll turn from your wicked ways if you'll pray and if you'll seek his face Amen. Isaiah 55 6 through 7 as we all stand says this seek ye the Lord while he may be found call ye upon him while he is near let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon said, if my people, which are called by my name, if my, sometimes we're waiting on God to move and waiting on God to answer our prayers. But maybe today God is waiting on us. God is waiting on us to humble ourselves. God is waiting for us to pray and to seek his face. God is waiting for us to turn from our wicked ways. Amen. I don't know about you, but today this message is for me. God, I want more of you in my life. God, I want revival in my life. I want to know you. I want to know your peace. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. God, I want to be full of your presence, Lord. I want to have your joy. I want to have your peace. I want to have your many blessings in my life. Today, I want you to know if you turn back to God, amen, he's ready to receive you. He's ready to restore you. There's no such thing as a life that God is not reaching for, a soul that God doesn't want to save. God wants to save. God wants to restore. God wants to heal today. Amen. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary. We're talking about the Old Testament today. We're talking about people that didn't even really know everything that was going to happen. And didn't even know who Jesus Christ was or who he would be. But today, amen, we're not living in the shadows of the Old Testament. We don't know it. We, we're in the fullness of God. Amen. Today, they came to church once a year and had to give an animal and its blood would be shed for a sacrifice. Jesus Christ shed his blood for our sacrifice today and on the cross amen we have new beginnings and we have new life today amen we can pray and ask God to help us and he'll be with us he died for us on Calvary he paid the price for our salvation amen let's worship the Lord today